This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for February 9th, 2021. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling feed or on our own dedicated RSS feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you would like to donate to the show, there's no obligation whatsoever. Just click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to redcircle.com. You click the link that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. Again, no obligation whatsoever, but I would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Joined as always by Case Lowe. And Case, what a interesting week of Dragon Gate to talk about this week. How are you? Oh man, I'm fine. This Cork and Hall show happened four days ago from when we're recording and I still don't know what to make of it. It is one of the stranger Cork and Hall shows I think Dragon Gate has ever produced. Yeah, so that's going to be it for the Ledger this week. There's no shows this upcoming week. The next time they'll be making Dragon Gate Network will be on the 21st as they're doing a rare two nights in Kyoto. I can't remember the last time they've had two nights in Kyoto in a month. I believe they did it in July for the oh, did it? the first shows with Reboot. fans. Yeah, but other than that, no, I yeah. don't remember the last time they did that. That shows you where my memory is at. I can't remember something from July. Oh my but. goodness, Mike. You can't remember Dragon Gate's July schedule off the top of your head. What's wrong with you? I mean, I dedicate so much of my dumb brain to Dragon System just lore and random stuff there that I should remember that, oh yeah, when they restarted, they had two shows. It was January, it was July 4th and July 5th, and it was Return of Shuji Kondo to the promotion. Like, that's enough that should be, like, kind of notched in my dumb brain one way or another. Yeah, well, you know, we can't win them all. I obviously have the superior memory. I remember that they ran two shows in Kyoto at the beginning of July because I, you know, arguably planned the first week of July around it. I was so excited for Dragon Gate to have fans back. And now... What is it? Uh, seven months later, we're dealing with this batshit crazy Truthgate show. I think that's the way I want to describe it. No, that's entirely fair way to describe it. It was on the fifth. Uh, you'll it'll be up on the network until the twelfth, so you'll have another twenty four hours. And yeah, let's just get into the show. Attendance was up five ninety. It was five ninety eight instead of five fifty five forty eight. No one's really drawing that well right now and dragon gates coming off of a double header there and we had this really bizarre show that happened that just let's try to wrap our heads around this case well let, let, I have let me say f- one thing real quick about the attendance on this show because what, what was the number again 
598. 598, which, I mean, that's, you know, again, I haven't put any thought or effort into Drangate's attendance during the pandemic, you know, let alone New Japan, Big Japan, NOAA, whoever. 598 seems like a respectable number for the limited capacity Corkins they're running, but I wanted to, to briefly mention that Dragon Gate was featured on an NHK segment on the news. The Japanese Broadcasting Corporation, which is public broadcasting in Japan, did a, a big feature, not a big feature, but a feature on Dragon Gate this past week with interviews with Yamato and Toru Kido, the president of Dragon Gate, with Kido saying in a translated interview, I'm grateful that we can bring in customers, so I think we have to respond to the changes. Sales have fallen, but we've managed to overcome this predicament, and the number of customers was full. So I'm assuming that translation means they sold about as many tickets as they could have for this Cork and Hall show. And Keto then reemphasized that he wants to do his best until, or he wants to do his best until the day when I can retire, essentially. So it's some borderline mainstream coverage for Drangate, which just, you know, yeah. coming off the Tokyo Sports Awards, it's it's very funny that this is the news coverage that they're getting and not the, I don't know, the wrestling journalist covering them. I mean, like, let's look at it this way. You know my theory about Tokyo Sports Awards. If you're not conglomerate and you're, you're not getting much there, but I was more interested in the way he says until the day I retire. And I'm like, buddy, I, maybe it, plans have changed, but I think that, you're originally were going to be there for five years and that was starting in 2018 and you were going to hand off the company in 2023. I thought it was going to be happening a little sooner, but you know, nice to have Yamato and president Kido out there for that. I did not know that happened until you brought that up. Yes. I, I can, I can send you the link to put in the episode description. If you'd like the, the, the full translation is I want to do my best until the day when I can put in, which I'm assuming is a Google translated version of retirement, but I, I, I could be incorrect. So if I am, please correct me on Twitter. But yeah, some some mainstream coverage. They had a lot of different uh, video from this Cork and Hall show, some footage of La Estrella, some footage of Yamato, some footage of Takashi Yoshida and Masaki Mochizuki, and then uh, brief talking head interviews with both Kido and Yamato. So uh, we didn't get any concrete information. They didn't talk about numbers, but they were featured in an article talking about live event and concert attendance, and they were the only wrestling group mentioned in said interview. Hey. Then didn't decide to go for the market leader there. That's cool. Especially considering NHK is based out of Tokyo. So they must have really just recorded it at Corkin that day because they were back on the road. And, you know, they only stay in Tokyo to do the shows and get out. Yeah, no, the uh, the interviews with Kido and Yamato are in the bleachers of Corkin Hall. It's a very pretty backdrop. Yeah, yeah. And that might have been like the uh, more... <sighs> this Corkin is weird. Like you've said it, I said it, your reviews and voices of wrestling.com talk about it as well. Just, I have my theory that I'm going to put out here about this. That I haven't told you this theory. They have another cork in before Champion Gate. So this was a piece of moving, trying to think, put things into place for the rest of the build up to Champion Gate. So it kind of felt like that. And then you also the fact that the show had to be two hours on the dot. So they kind of decided to go heavy on talking. And not so long in match times. Like the match times on the shows are actually surprising how short some of the matches were. And it's something that, like, with how weird the show felt, a lot of pieces moving here. Some things that were continuing, some things that were kind of kicking up with this here. And ultimately, the big plan about the show, and I think like the big thing overall is we've been speculating about this for a little bit, case, but a uh, Yama Kid Gun is now a thing, and they have added. Binkei and Keisuke Akuda. So really, this show, other than like putting in places that they're going to follow up 
for the remainder of the month as they lead into Champion Gate, that seems to be like what they're trying to get across here. Am I off base in thinking that? No, and I think that's probably a good place to start. We can probably work from the main event and then down the card because this show ends with Yamato, Dragon Kid, Ben K, and Kaisuke Akuda forming a unit, which is the true ace of the promotion, Yamato, one of the most protected acts in Dragon System history, and Dragon Kid. It is the Open the Brave Gate champion, Kaisuke Akuda, and then a former Open the Dreamgate champion, main event top line star, and Ben K. That is a crazy loaded unit, and I would be very curious, Mike. I don't want to speculate too much. I would be very curious if this was the direction all along, or if perhaps Drangate took a look at their main event scene and made a pivot and made sure that they had a unit full of stars, and more importantly, with Yamato and Dragon Kid, stars that could talk. Yeah, and this was something that we've talked about as soon as Masquerade is formed, and I think I was the person who brought up, is like, who are they going to have talking in shows in this unit? And as we've seen, they've kept that unit away from Mike Time other than uh, Shun Skywalker winning matches and doing a conclusion there. So you have two people who can really talk, in Yamato and Dragon Kid, and they have a good rapport together. Keisuke Akuda is a pretty decent talker as well. And then, I mean, Ben's, Ben Benkei's Benkei. You know, you don't need Benkei to talk. He's, he's there to stand and look pretty. Yeah, so, I you know, I, I think there's a lot that can be said about Masquerade and about Shun Skywalker in particular as we closer to Champion Gate because we're still a month out and there's another Cork and Hall before we get to Champion Gate, which is the first time they've really scheduled stuff like this. It's very strange. I don't know what to make of that Cork and on on the surface level, we don't have a card and we don't really know what's going to be on it. But yeah, I think we're going to see some real shuffling at the top of the card within these next few months. And uh, Yamato, Dragon Kid, Benkei, Akuda unit, obviously they're going to need one or two more guys to round that out. But that is that is a loaded unit. I mean, that is crazy. I mean, this is your super face unit. This is... Like, think about Maximum as a super face unit with Doyoshi that you could always say, like, all right, Maximum wins, and or if they lose, you could say, like, hey, we'll get them next time. Thank you all for coming. Now you have Yamato and Dragon Kid. You have you have Okuda. You have Benke. Toss in, like, Yosuke Samaria. Toss in uh, Sora Fujikawa. Just toss in someone there to, to eat pens, and you're set. There, there's your super face unit, and Masquerade can go do what Masquerade wants to do, and you don't even have to take the title off Shin Skywalker, to be honest. But you have your unit to close shows, and that's such an important thing for the promotion to have, the super face unit. In a promotion that's based around a lot of talking and a lot of character interplay, you need to have that. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why Masquerade kind of has felt a little bit uneasy as of late, is that, you know, you, you had Natural Vibes do stuff, but it makes sense because Natural Vibes form, but now you have focus pulled in other directions. So if you look at the roster page right now, when you factor in this Yamato, Dragon Kid, Benkei Akuda unit, which will have a name debuted at the March Cork and Hall show. The roster members currently without a unit are Ultimo Dragon, Masato Yoshino, Shuji Kondo, Strong Machine J, Yosuke Santa Maria, Yasushi Kanda, Masaki Mochizuki, Don Fuji, Takashi Yoshida, Gamma, Kagatora, Yuki Yoshioka, and Sora Fujikawa, then plus your part-timers like Problem Dragon and Kanichiro Arai and Oji Shiba, who is still on the roster page. So, yeah, I would say Maria's probably a safe bet, and then 
you know, I mean, who knows if, if Gamma's going to be the last guy there. Fujikawa could return at any moment. There's a lot of moving parts there, but I, I'm very curious to see who rounds out that unit because whoever it is is going to have to be the fall post of that unit. Yeah, and, unless they're going to go with six, but with uh, RED still at this time having 10 members in it, you know, I there's going to be some movement on that end. And I wouldn't put probably someone from RED into that unit right away, especially the people who I think might be leaving RED. And then you have the whole the whole thing of Team Boku. with When uh, Naruki Doi comes back, I still think he'll be back within the next month. I'd be surprised if they hold him out of Champion Gate. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And, and you have people that are just aren't going to be in units. Like, you, you don't expect uh, Don Fuji or Masaki Mochizuki probably to be in a unit unless they're really going the full way with master teaching me how to do pro wrestling you know like like there's people here but i mean they, there's certain people like kagator can get plugged in there and he'd be fine there as well exactly like there's a lot of options there yeah because you could ultimately i wouldn't blink at the idea of a mochi fuji yoshida strong machine j combination with a you know a fifth member whoever that may be like if that happens that wouldn't surprise me but i don't necessarily think that's the direction that they're going i think Mochizuki and Yoshida will be unaligned until they meet their fateful demise. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of the big story coming out of this. Uh, the main event was huh, interesting. We have two main events really to talk about. The first one ended within a minute with a mask rip, and then they restarted because Dragon Kid was not going to have it and quickly got a flash pin with a aided Bible and set up two matches for the Corkin in uh, March. So it's going to be Dragon Kid versus SP Kento. They're still playing up that feud. And then also you have Yamato and Kai. So, I mean, this did... I don't want to call this like a throwaway Corkin, but in a lot of ways, this was like a table-setting Corkin. And the main event felt like it because they were already announcing two big matches for the next Corkin. So, help me understand this, because I was... You know, Jay was on English commentary, and Jay did a tremendous job, but I couldn't exactly tell what he was saying was this main event shortened due to the time constraints was that was that made clear i i watched this the uh, i watched this a couple days later so i wasn't really like looking at because there's, there's clocks and cork and so keep an eye on time and they still had a lot of talking so i feel like this match was always going to be this way to set those two matches Okay, that, that's the impression that I got just from watching the product unfold. I know at one point during the main event, all three minutes of it, Jay referenced the curfew. I don't know if he was offhandedly saying, well, you know, Dragon Kid is in a hurry because of the curfew, or if he was specifically stating Dragon Kid is in a, in a hurry because of the curfew. I, I'm not sure, I but I am under your line of thinking until I hear otherwise that this was the originally uh, planned main event. Yeah, and my only reason why I don't think that this was, like, cut short was because they had this significant talking thing at the end of it. Like, they still talked for about a good seven minutes afterwards that if they were really pushing for for a curfew, they would have cut it pretty quick, you know? I mean, they had enough time to get Yagi into the ring and officially make the matches. Yeah, and it was, you know, again, not really a, a bad... Uh, it was, it wasn't really I I you know I said in my my review I looked at this as an extended angle. It, it was a minute of wrestling before Dragon Kid got his mask ripped off, and it was two minutes of wrestling when he hit the Bible and pinned SPK. I think ultimately, and, and Mike was the one that put this together. We talked about this briefly before we went on the air. That I think you're going to see these four guys 
and probably Kai and, you know, insert six member here in the cage match in May. And I would say the betting odds favorite at this point is SBK to lose his hair. I think that is a very safe bet at this point. I guess Kai was in this match. I I meant BB Hulk. Yeah, I, I think that's how they're kind of setting things up for. This is about the time where you start seeing your first inklings of the cage risk match start to come together, especially because then they have basically two months to further submit things and apply whatever wacky stipulations they're going to for that. And, you know, Jay on commentary made a big point about the fact that everyone is ready for them to make a return to Nagoya since they did not have their big match in Nagoya. And they made it in reference to SB Kento being a Nagoya native. So if you want to do a face turn, have a hometown guy lose in the main event, get his hair cut, and then see where you can go with SB Kento. Yeah, I am still infatuated with the booking of SB Kento to where if you told me, you know, and, and this is highly unrealistic, but if you told me now, like, Case, you can get great odds on Yamato losing his hair in the main event thanks to SB Kento, just given what we've seen over the past year, I'd be like, well, you know, let me put a, let me put a little bit of money on that just in case, because I can't entirely rule that out even if there is a 99% chance that doesn't happen. Let me further commit, convince you, Case, for a minute. You've noticed how long Yamato's hair has been getting since he's decided to cut his hair and keep it kind of short. It's been, a, it's been, what, nine years since he lost a hair match? It's been a while, to quote my favorite band, Stained. <laughs> Let me see the lighters out there, Biloxi. <laughs> Fred Durst is so cool. <laughs> just, I just want to make that clear in the first 20 minutes of this podcast that we are very, very pro-Fred Durst. I, I mean, the, uh, Jacksonville, Florida's favorite son. I mean, he embodies that city more so than I could argue most people in Florida other than maybe Pitbull in Miami. I think that is a fucking fantastic Bill Simmons tier take. Oh my God, that's so good, Mike. <laughs> uh, but yeah, look, I, I can't rule it out. I would be stunned if the cage match involves six people that aren't included in this match. I think Dragon Kid, Yamato, Kai, and SB Kento are locks for a hair versus mask cage match in May, and it's just a matter of finding the other two guys to plug in there. So, you know, for what it was, I don't think it was bad. I obviously, when I sit down and watch a Dragon Kid Corgan Hall show, I want that four and a quarter star, four and a half star main event. But I understand why they did this, and I thought it came across strong enough and... They, you know, I, I have such trust with their booking that I don't, I don't really mind it. I think if another promotion was doing this, I would raise an eyebrow and go, huh, I don't know. But this is coming from Drangate, who had a nearly flawless 2020. I think it's appropriate to say, we'll let this play out. Yeah, and I would say also the fact that they already said, like, okay, this is what we're doing next month based off this thing means they're not just doing aimless booking here. Exactly. Like, things are, things are planned out. Uh Working our way back, this is my main event. We had the official reveal of Natural Vibes, the first ever real unit to get rebooted. It was KZ, Susumi, Yokosuka, and UT versus the unaligned at the time team of Suji Kondo, Benkei, and Kagatora. The fall was KZ submitting uh, Kagatora with the spider twist in 13 minutes and 11 seconds. And we got to see the dance again. The dance is back. We have a new version of Party Anthem that, as soon as it's available, I need to redo the entrance, the intro to open the voice gate anyways. I need to get the new version of uh, Party Anthem for that. But I'm happy to see Natural Vibes back. Like, for people who think the dancing is 
is pointless and pulls away from the act. No, it just happens and it and it ends, and then you have a great six six man tag match. And I thought this was the best match on the show. Mike, let me take you back in time to a date that kind of lives in infamy, as it was May sixth, two thousand eighteen, and sandwiched in between an incredibly awkward Big Ben versus Ata and T Hawk match and an incredibly awkward still cage match where Al Lindemann wrestled Masaki Mochizuki, punched Tamanaga, Shingo, Yamato, Yasushi Kondo, and Ryo Saito. There was an open the triangle gate match that stole the show with Maximov, Jason Lee, Masato Yoshino, and Naruki Doi losing the belts to the debuting Natural Vibes, Genki Horiguchi, KZ, and Susumi Yokosuka. Almost three years have passed since then. KZ is weirdly leading now the 2.0 version of this unit with the same name and with the same colorways, even though they all have different gear now. KZ, is he in a better, worse, or the same spot than he was in May of 2018? I would say better because of how strongly he's been booked on major shows. I would say, I mean, he got his first uh, Big Five main event last year. He had that tremendous single series that he had. And I think that I would say that he's in a better place because if you think about 2018, he's only really coming off that one first February match against Misaki Mochizuki. And then you take it three years later, he had the match against Pac. He had the match against Naruki Doi, all these great singles matches, including the one that sold the show at Kobe World 2019 of Shun Skywalker. Was that Shun or was that? Yeah, that was Shun. That was Shun. I think. Yeah, that was Shun. I think he's in a better place. I mean, yeah, it does feel like that. For the big KZ diehards, you're wondering, when is my time going to come? When is he going to get a run here? And maybe you would ding him for that. But I would look at where he is now versus where he was at Dead or Alive 2018 as he's doing better. Like, is it demonstrably better? Maybe not. But I think that he's added to his resume to a level that, I mean, think about where he was coming out of the match of Masaki Mochizuki case. Like, he immediately quit the unit. Everyone's like, they're giving KZ a unit. Let's see how this goes. And it's a dancing unit, the first dancing unit in Dragon Gate really since BB Hulk stopped dancing. And since then, I think that he's been on an upward trajectory. I, 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 there's not a lot of evidence to me to say that he's in a worse place. That last point there is the key. And I, and I think, and I'm not knocking anybody specifically. I want to make that clear. There's, I have no one in mind when I say this, but I think there are going to be some people that look at these results on paper. They see that this natural vibes thing is going forward and that it doesn't appear to be an elaborate ruse to get KZ to turn, at least not yet. And they are going to say that KZ is lacking upward mobility, that he's lacking a trajectory up the card. And I think that is ridiculous because as you just said, in 2018, it was, let's give KZ a unit and let's see how this goes. And now it is definitively, if it wasn't Natural Vibes 2.0, it would be another unit under another name, but it would be KZ's unit. And the next time that he challenges for the Dreamgate title, whenever that may be, there's a very good chance that he wins that Dreamgate title. And that was not the case in 2018. Yeah, I mean, he was the cork in defense of the year then. And now I think he's, you know, a a big five guy, which is, uh, you know, just huge. So it's weird. I, I just, I don't really understand why they had to revert back to natural vibes, but they sell a ton of merch. The entrance is over. And I also just think it is the perfect use of UT. Well, yeah, you had UT and Kondo picking up where things left off when they weren't able to face each other at Kobe world. 
which, so, which Jay did a tremendous job of putting over on commentary. Yeah, I mean, when we were talking about the matches they're having in November, these two guys, like, Kondo is in his element whenever he gets to throw someone around, and UT, as long as you don't break him, he's good at being thrown around. Yeah, no, this was my match that night. I was at three and three-quarter stars on this. It was it was exactly what it should have been. UT and Shuji Kondo did a majority of the heavy lifting, and then KZ came in and, and, and cleaned up the pieces and put that spider twist on Kagatora, who yelled in agony in a way that was either a tremendous sell or what I am led to believe that this submission just sucks and that nobody wants to be put into the spider twist. But this was a super fun match. Well, Case, do you, have you ever done yoga in your life? Have I done yoga? So that's an interesting question. When I moved into this apartment, I took a yoga mat with me that was in my parents' house that was not being used. And for the first week and a half when I was here, I was doing yoga by Candace videos on YouTube, but they were low intensity. And I really would just call it more of like extreme stretching than I would yoga. And then I got a job where I wake up at five in the morning and now I no longer do that. I was going to say, like, I'm just imagining, like, if you do, like, yoga, like, a lot of, like, the twisting, at least for me, but also I'm an old man now, but it, the twisting, it, like, bothers me a lot. I imagine the spider twist sucks. Like, your body's being contorted. It's not one of those things where it's like, yeah, if, if you really crank back on this sort. No, your, your body's being twisted in this move. Well, so, yeah. And, I, and I what, what I learned from my week and a half of stretching was that I hold a ton of tension in my hips, and I am someone, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be 22 the day after this podcast comes out, it's my birthday week, Mike. Uh, but I have an incredibly bad back. My lower back is constantly in pain. And I kind of learned through my brief time, like I said, extreme stretching, that I think a lot of it is in my hips. And I started doing these hip-related stretches that made me feel so much better. So maybe I need KZ to put me in the spider twist. Maybe he can get me stretched out. KZ has a future. He just needs to hook up with Milano after he <laughs> retires, and they could both have their massage slash chiropractic uh, parlor using Yave. Oh, I think that would work. What I would do for a KZ versus Prime Milano singles match. Oh boy, oh boy, but yeah, I was four stars on this case. I love this. Like this is like the stuff that whenever I see, I'm like, all right, this is why I love Dragon Gate. Was it a? Is this not gonna be a match that comes close to like my top ten matches in Dragon Gate for the year? But you had like great chemistry. It was 13 minutes long. Ben K found a tanning bed between the shows that were happening in Fukuoka and Corkin, which thank you. Thank you, Ben. We all think I'm glad that you're able to tan again. Apparently, uh, post-concussion syndrome does not preclude you from tanning. And it's just a great time. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. 
And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, ah, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying... Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network and then we had our we had the fourth match on the show this was a unaffiliated versus red tag it was misaki mochizuki and takashi yoshida Versus Ada and BB Hulk. BB Hulk won in the preview match with a first flash on Takashi Yoshida. And then during this match afterwards, there was Twin Gate promos kind of just hyping up the upcoming Twin Gate match at Champion Gate. And the finish came when Kai came to interfere. And that led into the, the first flash. And to be honest, it was something where like this match, like I went three flat. This is as close to a gentleman's three Dragon Gate match as one can have, but you just kind of like go through this, especially on a show like this, that I knew like this was going to be like this kind of match here. You have two guys that I like Hulk probably more so than others, but also Yoshida's there, and, and I think I'm pretty well on paper about my opinion on Takashi Yoshida in 2021. Just kind of there. Yeah, I thought the match was no good. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it was, you know, a three-star special. And... I just I I have no read on where Mochizuki and Yoshida is going to go because history has told us time and time again that Takashi Yoshida will turn on Masaki Mochizuki eventually, and I don't know if this time if that's the right story to tell. Like I I mean I think and we'll talk Champion Gate predictions next week and especially the week after. I think they're winning the belt at Twin Gate or at, at Champion Gate rather. I think they're going to beat Hulk and Kai and. I'd be okay with that just for the sense of like, oh, well, at least they're not doing the immediate turn. I still think the live crowd is super into this, so I I have to give them that, but I am starting to lose patience with this angle. Yeah, and it gets the titles away from the triangle of pain, basically, so I'm okay with that. It's something that, like, the t-shirts sell, the whole... Uh, Takashi Yoshida, Master Please Teach Me Pro Wrestling thing sells, and the act's over. So 
we're secondary here on it. It's just one of those things that's just not going to be my kind of my cup of tea, to be honest. No, and I think if it was anybody but Yoshida, we would be into it. But it's it's just Yoshida, and we have to treat that with kid gloves. Yeah, yeah, and it just kind of was there. But luckily, before that case, we had another Masquerade versus RED special. It was the entirety of Masquerade, Shun Skywalker, Kota Minora, Jason Lee, and La Estrella versus the RED team of Kaido Ishida and his big bullies of Kazuma Sakamoto, Hip Hop Kakuda, and Diamante. Ishida got the fall with the ankle lock on Jason Lee, which I called case. I called that. And nine minutes and or eight minutes and 27 seconds. Yeah, you give this match a few more minutes and it is easily making my spreadsheet. We talked about this, I think, two weeks ago. The idea of if you were doing the Dragon Gate six-man in America right now, what match would you book? And I think it is easily at this point, for as good as Natural Vibes is, for as exciting as this new Super Face unit is, it's R.E.D. versus Masquerade if you're talking about match quality. And you can book, you know, Ashita, SBK, and, and Kakuta against whoever you want. Really, any combination of R.E.D. outside of Hulk and Kai and I think you're safe. And then obviously against any combination to masquerade because these matches are just so crisp. Yeah. Like Kazma Sakamoto, as I like put on, on Twitter has made his way into the argument to be in the theoretical six, six man tag. He was great in this. Well, and I think the other guy that has is Diamante who played a really interesting role in this match because they once again, focused on his interactions with La Estrella and Estrella has a moment where they get lost. They kind of go to do that Lucha shoulder bump and they they just, you can tell their wires get crossed. They don't really know what they're going to do next. And it's the first real moment of awkwardness that we've seen from Estrella. It took him two months, but he finally had a visible like, Ooh, that's, I can tell that's not what he meant to do, but they recovered. And then of course the next spot is just that completely insane pop-up, twisting head scissors move that Estrella did that was all over my Twitter account on Friday when he did the move. So even when Estrella messes up, he recovers very quickly. I was at three and a half only because the match was so short. I wanted a lot more of this. Yeah, it was three and three quarters. It was as close as I could get really to wanting to give a four star match. Like, like again, this is a comp DVD. Like all these matches are tremendous. If you're someone who wrestles a certain style, if your wrestlers listen to the show, and you like see like how these matches flow like this is a this is going to be like one of those like matches and, and like these storylines that i'm going to go back to and i think this stuff will live up especially like when you see like listria i was a little bit more down on his debut than you were i thought that the version of the libra he did against the sumu looked really weak but ever since then even like i didn't even pick up on that shoulder uh, that shoulder like tackle spot but i think he's been a star and he's been building and he's been showing more and more confidence and i think that's the thing with like the the wires getting crossed there is that you would think that someone who's still two months into their career would get kind of frazzled there nope he just goes back and does an insane head scissors yeah i talked about it last week i talked about it in my review he's the system quarterback right now i compared him to justin herbert of the los angeles chargers on paper where you know herbert had a bunch of head-scratching decisions, and I apologize to our European listeners. You're going to have to hear me talk about American football for a second. Herbert went through this season making a bunch of dumb decisions, especially in close games. Now, I think part of that could have been put on his coaching staff, but also he was just a rookie quarterback. You know, it's going to happen. But Herbert showed this, like, oh my God, is this the second coming of Brett Favre potential at points? Which, to me, makes everything worth it. Like, I'll deal with the headaches and Estrella 
again, I don't think he's ever even going to be in the Dreamgate picture, but he's he's just a special talent, and I just want to see more and more of him. So I will take those little blunders because his high points are just electric right now. And you know what's going to be really interesting with him is when we get to May after Dead or Alive, if you put him into King of Gate and assuming that they go back to the round-robin format, the kind of block you could put him in with people that I think would be really interesting to see, one, if they have the resolve to put him in King of Gate seven months after he debuts, six months after he debuts, but also, like, who do you pair up against La Estrella as a guy who's still, I mean, he will be less than 100 matches into his career. Like, how would you prepare him for that? And I think that's something that I find at least really interesting to see and it's something that I'm going to keep an eye on as we get closer to King of Gate. That's a super interesting point. If I were to bet on it now, I would say he is not in King of Gate this year, but come 2022, he'll probably be in the mix. Yeah, especially since they're probably not going to be doing a knockout where you need people to get wiped out in the first round. You know, If so. he's in it, I think that'd be awesome, but... I that would be a real sink or swim environment where I, I don't know if he's there yet, where I think you could put Kakuta and SB Kento and Kame in there, and I think they would do great. Estreo, I would I would be very careful with who was in his block. Because he hasn't yeah. he hasn't touched the uh, Yasushi Kondas of the world. He hasn't been in there with Punch Tamanaga or even somebody like Yosuke Santa Maria, who's a very capable wrestler. He's been in there with the top brass, and that's why he's looked so good. And it's, to be clear, smart booking. That's the way it should be done. Okay, he shouldn't ever touch Kanda in his career. And that's no disrespect to Kanda. He's just, he's not exactly Kaito Ishida out there. Uh, but yeah, they're they're putting him in spots to succeed, which I think is super important. And I think King of Gate could possibly expose him to some extent. Yeah, and speaking of Kaido Ishida, I thought it was really interesting this match. They start with the R.E.D. flying start where they're attacking during the introductions, except for Kaido Ishida, where he just goes face-to-face with Shun Skywalker, and they start teeing off each other. We got promos between the two, building up their Dreamgate match at Champion Gate, and I'm really liking this build, but you've you've planted the seed, and I think it's been kind of deliberate of you. Maybe you might be wish-casting a little bit, wanting a title change here, but... Kaido Ishida has become a very interesting person coming to his first ever Dreamgate title match. Well, Kaido Ishida is becoming a dangerous man. I don't know if you saw on Twitter today, but he was training in Osaka with the K1 fighter Hiroki, who has a K1 GP, I guess that's a tournament, uh, coming up on March 28th in Budokan Hall. So Ishida brought out the big guns for this. I am going to save any Ishida Skywalker thoughts for next week, if not the week after, but I will ask you this. Percentage-wise, is it a 50-50? Is it a 60-40? Is it a, you know, a 30-70? What percent chance does Ashita have of winning at Champion Gate in your mind? At this moment, as we record on February 9th, 25%. Very interesting. Okay, we will we will circle back to that next week, Mike. Absolutely, and I'll say this, I'll give my justification for it. Not very many people win in their first Dreamgate challenge. I mean, Ato winning in his first Dreamgate challenge was a big deal. And he, I had to look at ages, but I think he would be younger than Yamato winning with zero keys beforehand. That sounds correct, because Yamato is, I think, a little bit older than people realize. And he wasn't really in that Dreamgate picture until 2009, 2010. So... 
uh, yeah, there, be sure to check out on voiceofwrestling.com as well as this podcast. We're going to do plenty of Champion Gate and Osaka coverage this year. I am working on a piece already about the upcoming Skywalker and Ashita match because I think it's super interesting. But we're a month away from that show, so I'm going to hold off on my talking points. Yep, it's going to be real interesting. Two wrestlers under the age of 25. I don't think Shun turned 25 yet or Ishida headlining that. But then we get into the openers of the card and they were kind of there to be quite honest, but we must talk about them. Tag team match, Ginky Horikuchi and Kenichi Orai lose to another unaffiliated team, Keisuke Okuda and Yosuke Samaria. Okuda got the win with his cross arm breaker in eight minutes and one second. Uh, it was there. It kind of meandered actually. Yeah, I mentioned to you, I thought it was really funny that Okuda was going from wrestling the rubber band man, not T.I., but Punch Tamanaga, with the way he bends and slithers around the ring, to wrestling Kenichiro Rai, who looks like he could break in half at any moment. But yeah, no, not not a memorable match, not a very good match. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I think they're going to do Okuda versus Hiyo at the first Champion Gate show, judging from Okuda's Twitter today. And from the booking of Yo, who was absent on the show, and I think that will be a super interesting match if that's the route they decided to go. Yeah. So after the match, Yo came out, did the uh, Bobby Hill special, asked, told him that to give him back his purse, kicked him low, and got and got on the microphone. And that does seem like that's going to be the Brave Gate match. And with how Yo has been booked, and he's not been on a lot of shows over the last few weeks, but when he's on a show, he will win with the Bobby Hill special, and it's been kind of funny. And just for our listeners at home, to pull a Norm MacDonald here, can you explain the Bobby Hill special? So, the most accurate show about the state of Texas is the Mike Judge cartoon, King of the Hill. And one of the big moments in the show that's kind of, like, gone past the show, because the show's been off air, I think, for, like, almost a decade now, was an early episode where Bobby Hill is being bullied, and he decides that he needs to go and learn (laughs) self-defense. He signs up, and this is a sign of the times, and this is a sign of the culture, signs up for a women's self-defense course where they teach you immediately that the line was, give me back my purse, I don't know you, and you kick them in the groin. Jay was the first one to say it, and I'm just, we're going to call it the Bobby Hill special. If Jay somehow listens to this, Call it the Bobby Hill special if he does it ever again. It's tremendous. Which, of course, led to the scene where Bobby and Hank were boxing in the garage. Bobby kicked Hank low, and then Hank woke up to Bill Dotrieve yelling, You have been kicked in the testicles, which is one of the funniest <laughs> lines in television history. Uh, big King of the Hill fan. I, I adore that show. Whenever people ask me what growing up in Texas was like, I say, do you watch King of Hell? It's like, oh, yeah, that cartoon. I was like, yeah, no, that's a cartoon, but it's the most realistic depiction of Texas in the 90s and early 2000s, but just not weird enough. I think the strongest King of the Hill episode, I will say the strongest first half of an episode, because it kind of falls off a cliff towards the end, but the episode where Hank makes Bobby join a youth group, and it's the <laughs> radical new wave pastor who skateboards, uh, it is... My favorite, it's my favorite thing. It's it's like the first 15 minutes of that episode, it's some of the best TV I've ever seen. Again, the ending is not entirely satisfying, but Bobby Hill walking around going, praise him with his Satan Sucks t-shirt is <laughs> tremendous writing. 
<laughs> Bobby Hill is one of the best TV characters of all time, is what we're saying. My favorite Bobby Hill moment is when the New York style deli comes to town <laughs> and he gets really into uh, salted meats and he develops gout. And Connie, his girlfriend at the time, explaining this for the people who have not watched King of the Hill, his next door neighbor, Connie, was his girlfriend. And there was going to be the big middle school dance. He has gout and he has a rascal scooter and he, and he really loves being lazy because Bobby Hill is a very lazy child and loves eating uh gefilte fish and other like very like preserved and salted and lied things and develops gout until he gets to a point where he decides to skip the dance but he he has a change of heart he tries to go down the hill but the battery goes out he throws the rascal scooter and gets into the dance while he is suffering from gout well you know my fellas listening will understand this situation i had a girlfriend for a while who i you know we'd be like you know what do you want to watch on tv and i'd be like well you know, King of the Hills on Hulu. Obviously, we should watch that. And she'd be like, "No, like I, fuck, I don't want to watch fucking King of the Hill." And then I'd turn it on anyways. And then she'd be there laughing like an idiot about it. I'd be like, "Oh, really? You don't think the show's funny?" She's like, "I'm laughing because it's stupid." It's like, no, it's just King of the Hills. Just tremendous television. Every character on that show is funny in their own way. I will say for people who have not watched King of the Hill, as soon as uh, uh, Luann and Lucky get together and have a kid. That's probably where you can stop. This is true. The last, I don't know, three seasons or so, not essential viewing. No, no. But the finale, tremendous finale. Exactly. One of the better finales. It's just, you know, they kind of go back onto the overriding theme of the show. Just excellent. Uh, I still think it's one of the best uh, comedies and cartoons of all time. I like, completely agree. Day. And thank you all for listening to the King of the Hill Corner, which will happen every time that Hio does the Bobby Hill special. The opener was Team Boku, uh, Ryo Saito, Bokudomo Dragon, Punch Tomonaga versus Ultimo Dragon, Don Fuji, and Gamma. The fall was Bokudomo Dragon doing the Bokudomo style La Maestral on Gamma in 9 minutes and 27 seconds. Yeah, I am still entertained by Bokudomo Dragon, and that is the best thing I can say about this opener. I am still laughing at these signature spots, and this time with Ultimo and Bukaltimo doing the Andre Hogan stare down, it was good enough for me. You, you know, I wish that's like the one thing I kind of wish was a little bit different with the Dragon Gate native fan base is you know that Hulk, you, you know that Bukutomo has watched his Hulk Hogan tapes. He is someone that loves WCW. So if he would have done like the shake and then the you point at him, it would have been tremendous. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's tremendous. Again, I don't really know where it's going. I don't know how long it's going to last. I, I'm starting to feel like I've seen the hits and I kind of know where things are going, but it's it's only been two months and I think I have to be a little bit more patient with it. So I hope they continue to team on the small shows and then I hope they continue to wrestle, wrestle against one another on the big shows. I think that's a fun dynamic and I thought they played into that well here. You know... Masato Yoshino said, I want you all to do a full tour of the country doing this. And they still, they, 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 that means that they have announced the, the Hokkaido triple shot in May. We might be seeing this until May. Yeah, that would not surprise me at all. And that's, that's about the timeline I was expecting, which if I put that in my head, then I'm okay with. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Uh, also worth noting, as we're kind of done with the show review, they, they had tour. They, they were on tour this week. Uh, the only thing really of note that I saw on tour is trying to find out what the exact town is that they were in. Kochi. That's it. Kochi, whereas uh, Masato Yoshino currently is uh, undergoing 
treatment in Kochi, I believe. I, I, I saw that it's like a place that he is going and he came out to the show and did the opening mic segment. I still think he'll be back for his homecoming show in Higashi Osaka, but that's kind of like the first kind of sight we've seen of Masato Yoshino other than him wanting to watch uh, the double dragon act. Yeah, so that is everything that's going on in Dragon Gate right now. And we'll be back next week with, what, a preview of the Kyoto shows. Hopefully, hopefully those cards are out by then. We'll talk some Champion Gate. There's nothing new on Dragon Gate Network right now. So watch that Cork and Hall show and then watch some King of the Hill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone should. King of the Hill is one of those shows that is very close to my heart. Uh, I'm right now, before we log off for the episode, log off, before we end the show, uh, to, just, just to see if anything, if they've announced anything that could be coming up on the network over the next little bit. Uh, they have a couple of the uh, DCs coming up. They have a Infinity episode of, oh, that from September there. We might know because the, by the time we'll talk about that, we'll talk about Kyoto. Never mind. I was going to say they have the Torimon 2000 uh, project show from uh, the beginning of January in 20, 2002 that's coming up this month as well. Yeah, but nothing be, else is really. They'll be uploaded on February 20th. It looks like the second T2P show, which I think the main event of that is the best match in T2P history. So we will be talking about that when it's uploaded. Yep. One way or another, we'll be talking about it. But case, I. Th- so I know a couple of weeks ago we said this is going to be a short one, and then we ended up just talking about anything and everything. But I think this that's about it for this week. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? No, this works for me. This was a, a good, compact episode with a what I thought was a thorough Cork and Hall review. Yep, and especially a Cork and Hall that just – a weird Cork and Hall. I'm actually really looking forward to the March show just so that I can, be a, can put the show back in my mind saying, oh, this was the table-setting one. As soon as that show happens, Case, I will be fine. It's just until then, it's going to be a head-scratcher. Absolutely. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Open the VoiceGate. You can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. I'm at Fujiheya. Case is an underscore in your case. But for Case, I'm Mike. Thanks for listening to Open the VoiceGate. We'll be back next week. Take care.